0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Our heart at this house is to give you the ABCs, the ABCs. When you come into the church, we want you to feel accepted. We want you to know that you belong and that you are cared for. Just the A, I want I'm gonna tell you like my dad would tell me. I love you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. I want you to feel the love. How many of you know we live in a world that's got such a deficit of love? Man, there's so much hate and anger and animosity. Man, when you're a part of this house, we want you to feel the love. Can I have a good amen? in the middle of a series on the book of Psalms called The Songs of Jesus. Has this been helpful to anybody? I love the Psalms. In fact, I think I told you this uh, several weeks ago that this series was inspired by uh, some of the reading that I was doing. I studied the life of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and Diedrich was this brilliant German theologian that lived during World War II, and, and he was so outspoken in his faith, and he stood up for the Jews in their suffering, and he ended up spending two years in prison in a concentration camp before dying. Uh, because of his commitment to his beliefs. And while he spent two years in prison, he read the Psalms. He prayed the Psalms. He said that it was the Psalms that sustained him. And it just ignited something in my own soul. If you're going through a difficult season, I want you to know there is a Psalm for every situation in your life. When you read the Psalms, I think the Psalms are the universal language of the human soul. Man, for those that hurt, for those that celebrate, for those that are disappointed, for those that struggle. How many of you know God's word speaks to every situation? Two weeks ago, we kicked this off and we talked about praying your fears. Uh, Last week, if you were here, we talked about praying your tears. Today, we're gonna talk about praying your failures. Praying your failures. I felt a groan from the people of God this morning. Oh, no, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be encouraged today. How many of you know that life is filled with bumps, with bruises, and some bad ideas? Come on, check this out. That's That's what all the people say. But I know I'm going to change that tune. Back on top in June, I said that's life. Oh i and I can't deny it. Many times, I thought of cutting out, but my heart won't bite. But if there's nothing shaking, come this here July. Hey,
1: you, good I'm lord. I'm
0: gonna roll myself up in a big ball. Come on, can you put your hands together this morning? Can anybody identify? Come on, if, if we could show just a little a snapshot of what's happening in your own soul. How many of you feel like that's you at any given moment? Isn't it amazing how the, failure, the failures of others are so funny, but our own failures can be painful? Uh, Psalm chapter 51 is a great psalm, okay? If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 51. I love that the Bible is not a book of sinless heroes. There's only one sinless hero. His name is Jesus. Can I have a good amen? And the rest of us fall, and we fail, and we come up short so many times. Psalm 51, I'll give you just a little bit of context. This psalm, again, was written by the psalmist David. And this is surrounding the situation between him and Bathsheba. And there are a lot of things to celebrate in David's life. I mean, the Bible refers to David as being a man after God's own heart. Uh, the Bible speaks of the, the heroics of David, and Jesus is referred to as the son of David. We'll talk about the significance of that in just a moment. Uh, but not all the episodes in David's life were good. Uh, David had, he made some bad choices. He fell into some very difficult circumstances. He, he stepped outside of the will of God and made some mistakes. Now, uh, what I, I think David's life teaches us is that even the best of us can make the worst of mistakes. Even, even those who are the most talented, the most equipped, the most qualified, we fall short. Uh, I've heard it said that you either were a mess, you are a mess, or you're one bad decision away from becoming a mess. Uh, the common denominator that unites all of humanity is this sinful condition. And the Bible says that at a time when kings go out to war, David stayed back. Okay, I want you to consider this. David made some poor decisions because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't in alignment. The Bible says that kings in the spring would go to war. David just just hung out. Can I tell you, bad things happen when you're out of position. He's just taking a walk on the balcony. and The Bible says he looks down and he sees this beautiful woman taking a bath. Her name was Bathsheba. And David sees this beautiful woman and says, okay, I gotta have her. Calls for her to come to the palace, commits adultery with her, finds out later she becomes pregnant. So David has a plan. He's gotta find out who her husband is. Well, his name is Uriah and he's off at war. He's fighting for the interest of the king. And yet David was messing with his wife. He says, well, okay, how many of you know that one sin leads to another sin, creates another bad decision, and like dominoes, it can lead you in a place where you never thought you would end up? Get Uriah home and let's get him off the battlefield and get him with his wife, and maybe they can get together, and you know, this pregnancy can, that, that could be his child and not mine. And you know what happens. I mean, it goes from bad to worse. Uriah's got such integrity, he sleeps on his doorstep. He won't go in to even spend a night with his wife while his brothers are suffering on the battlefield. So David gives orders for Uriah to be killed. Notice how adultery leads to murder, and the cover-up has just begun. Now this is the story of a man after God's own heart. Mm. I'm telling you, there's something for all of us to learn here. The Bible says that the prophet Nathan, I mean, a year goes by. The cover-up lasted, some scholars believe, for almost a year. Prophet Nathan confronts David. Nathan tells David a story about one man had a a huge, he was a rich man. He had a lot of sheep, and then he had a, a neighbor that was poor and had one little baby lamb. Well, the rich man gets visitors. And, and, and so instead of sacrificing one of his sheep to offer his guests, he steals this one little lamb from his poor neighbor. David hears the story and is just, he, he, he's upset. He says, that man ought to die. Nathan said, you are that man. Pick up the story, this, this chapter that's written, by David is a response to this conversation, this confrontation, and David says these words in Psalm 51, verse 2. David says, and you can hear the brokenness. You can hear the spirit of repentance in David's heart. He says this, Lord, wash me clean. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my guilt sin for I recognize my rebellion. Somebody say my rebellion. See, the day of excuse was over. David had had blamed, he had excused, he had covered up, but now he had to own something. He says, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. If you find yourself in a failing situation, There there There's some specific things. This chapter is a beautiful pattern of what to pray in a messy situation. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, write down this phrase, wash me. David says, wash me by your blood. Now, you know, we all need a, the, the, the prophet Nathan, he was the hand of God in this difficult situation to David. Can I tell you this? All of us need a friend like Nathan. How many of you know we need friends that have the courage to call it out? How many of you know that a friend will tell you what you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear? Bible says that the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. How many of you know a friend will love you so much that sometimes they'll cut you when they tell you the truth? Oh, do you have friends like that in your life that have the courage to call it out when they see something? I've got people in my life, I've told them, listen, if you're not holding me accountable, then you're holding me back. Come on, talk to me this morning. David could have, I mean, think about the risk that Nathan takes the prophet when he calls this sin out in David's life. David is the king. David could have, have ordered Nathan to be killed, but yet Nathan has the courage to confront and David has the spirit to receive. He says, Lord, wash me clean. I, what I've been involved in, I've created a, a mess. You know, the word of God is like a mirror, is it not? Bible says that the word of God serves as a mirror to help you see things about you that you could never see on your own. How many of you, when you came, before you came to church today, how many looked in the mirror? <laughs> Some of you need to look in the mirror before you come to church. The mirror will tell you about you. The mirror's gonna help you see things that you couldn't see with your own eyes. And God's word will show us even the messy stuff about ourselves. Because the truth is we all get dirty. You know, now in our culture with social media, we have these things called filters. You know, you can take a picture. How many of you have ever taken a picture? Maybe it was a selfie or maybe it was a group picture with your family, and you didn't like the way that you looked in that picture. So what do you do? You either retake the pic or there's a filter. Come on, somebody. What is it about filters these days. We use filters to kind of control how other people see us. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Oh man, we, in fact, I, I've got, just check out, we've, we've taken some pictures of people that you know and recognize, and we've applied some filters to these photos. Fo- see if you can identify any men or women in these photos. Check this out. Put, put up some pics on the screen. This is our beloved Denham Springs campus pastor, Pastor Ryan Jesus Frith. Look at the lovely locks on that guy. He just looks like he's about to turn water into wine or something right now. I know they're loving that in Denham. Show the next photo. Anybody recognize that guy? Baby blue eyes, that's Billy Ray Cyrus, baby blue eyes, green. Yeah, I think they kind of added some, some, some size on that bicep too. I don't remember his guns being that big either. J- j- check out this next photo. Look what a filter can do. <laughs> oh, Come on, somebody say all day. all day. David Ray. He looks like my seventh grade history teacher right there, man. I mean, for real. That's, all. that's, that's, that's David Ray right there. I didn't know that. Next picture. Come on, Marla Stru. where you at, Marla? I thought I saw Marla in here somewhere. You you went blonde right there. Have you ever considered going blonde, Marla? Blondes have fun too. I love redheads, but blondes, blondes have fun. Put up this next (laughs) pic. This is our Ascension campus pastor, Patrick Ramos. We call him Daddy Pat. Because he, t- look, Tuesday they're going in. She's being induced for their fifth child. They have five kids ages four and under. Those kids are making an old band out of Daddy Pat, really. F- we call him Granddaddy Pat right there. We may have another one. Show up. This, show another pic. <laughs> I get some feedback from my wife. Well, if I ever lose the hair on the top of my head, will you give me permission to grow it right here? She said no. She... You know, filters change the, the, the way that we see things. And you know, I, I think our culture is obsessed with filters, but God says, I want to fix it. I I, I don't want you to hide what's messed up or or, or what's broken. I want you to give it to me. We try to use a filter and God says, no, I want to fix. I love what John MacArthur said. He said, you know, today sin is called sickness, so people think it requires therapy, not repentance. Now listen, I'm all for therapy and counseling, but but the, the heart of the problem is the problem with the human heart. And God says the only way to fix this situation with David, he didn't have a filter. He had already tried to apply everything he knew to cover it up, but the only way to bring healing is to give it to Jesus. Can I tell you something about you and me? We need to repent daily. Every single day. Because we have a tendency to get dirty real fast. I mean, we are pro- we're made from dirt. We're prone to get dirty. Can I have a better amen? How many of you have ever maybe taken a few days off, taken vacation, and then you just kind of get lazy in your personal hygiene? <laughs> you just, you know, you're out of your routine. Uh, listen, y'all, Christmas this year, some of you are pointing to people right now. Bad. Christmas this year, we did five Christmas services, five. And the last week of the year, from Christmas to New Year's, how many of you know, we just forget what day it is? It's just hard to even know what day. I took a few days off, and, you know, about three or four days into it, Rachel's like, baby, you need to shave. And she's like, when was the last time you showered? I was like, I I don't know. It's been a minute. She's like, how many minutes? A lot? Boy. Boy. Get in there and clean yourself up. Why? Just as our bodies are prone to get dirty, our spirits do the same. And it's going to take more than soap to clean your spirit. How many of you know you can believe in soap all you want to, but unless you apply it, you're still going to stink? Oh, Mike, I believe in the Bible. I believe in the things of God. Well, we've got to take what we know, and we've got to apply it to our soul's You know, if you have sinned, if you have failed, don't let the enemy beat you up because of your failures. There is a way to experience purity and holiness, and it's through repentance. It's saying, God, wash me. Lord, cleanse me. And guess what? God doesn't just wash us with soap, but there's a thing called the blood of Jesus. How many of you are thankful for the blood of Jesus? Oh, listen. He says, wash me clean. That's not a simple rinsing. That's a scouring and a scrubbing. How many of you know sin goes deep? And we're good at it. Um, Left to myself and my flesh, I can make some terrible decisions. It doesn't take long for me to get dirty. But I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus that washes us and purifies us and cleanses us. The blood of Jesus is like that holy detergent. How many of you, like, after doing a load of laundry, you like taking the the clothes out of the, the dryer and just... You know, your spirit can have that same feeling, too. But it's through the blood. Yes, sir. David knew, I've I, I messed up, and I can't clean up what I've messed up. So, God, would you wash me? Wash me clean for my sin. It haunts me day and night. Lord, purify me. You know, when we sin, we, we create a debt. The Bible speaks of this sin debt. I thought of it kind of like credit card debt. You know, when you've got debt in, on your credit card, they'll send you a statement and they'll give you just the minimum payment. Here's all that's required. Like if you owe like $1,000, all you got to pay this month is ten just a minimum payment, and your flesh thinks, well, if I make minimum payments, I'm good for another month. You see, Old Testament sacrificial system, when they would bring a ram or a sheep or a goat, and they would sacrifice it, the Old Testament was minimum payment, but Jesus came in the New Testament, and he laid his life down on a cross, and he was the sinless, spotless lamb of God to take away our sins for all of eternity. He wasn't just making minimum payment so you can get by but he said paid in full come on somebody the blood of jesus oh man i pray that as a church we value the sacrifice of jesus and we apply his blood to our lives david said wash me it's so good look at what he says here in verse 10 he says create in me a clean heart oh god and renew a loyal spirit within me. Not only does David say, wash me. Number two, he says, change me. God, change me. How many of you know that we can't change ourselves? And we've tried. Some of you have tried again and again, and you've thrown everything you possibly can at the problem that you're trying to, to the solution you're trying to find. Uh, to get yourself out of the situation that you find yourself in. David says, wash me, Lord, but changed me. Th- that word create in me a clean heart, the Hebrew for that word is the word bara. It's the same word that, that's used in Genesis when God created the heavens and the earth. God created out of, a, out of nothing, God spoke and created something. You know what that tells me? That change is a supernatural act. Only God can create the change necessary in your life and my life. I want to tell you this. Mike Haman needs to repent daily, but Mike Haman cannot change himself. I can't do it. And and, and part of the frustration that we experience is trying to do things for ourselves that only God can accomplish, that only by his Spirit we can change. The, uh, The Old Testament pattern is The the, the Israelites would sin and then they would get into bondage and then they would repent and God would set them free and then they would fall into sin again. They would come under bondage. They would repent and then God would set them free and it cycled again and again. You see, the problem was, was, was the heart condition. It wasn't just God cleaning us up, but God changing us from the inside out. Ezekiel 36, the Bible says, and I will give you a new heart. Come on, somebody say a new heart. In other words, it's an inside-out job. You know, you you can look clean on the outside, but God says, I want to change you from the inside out. He says, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. Come on, how many of you thank God for heart transplants? You see, the heart is the engine of the entire body. And if you have a heart attack, your whole body shuts down. See, God's not just trying to deal with your habits. Some of you are trying to change your habits. God says, listen, you won't change your habits until you first let me change your heart. How do you pray your failures? Well, you start with, Lord, wash me. Oh, cleanse me. Father, purify me. But then, secondly, we have to pray for change. Let me ask you this when is the last time that you ask God to change you and not necessarily change your circumstances? Can I tell you, God is much more interested in changing us than he is changing what happens around us. Sometimes a lot of our prayers are centered around our circumstances. And that's good. God may change what's happening around you, but the Lord first wants to change what's happening inside of you. Are you catching this today? Everybody say, wash me. Say, change me. Say, restore me. Look at what it says in Psalm 51, verse 12. He says, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You know, I I think the hardest thing about failure is just the loss of joy that comes with it. There, I, I see so much brokenness in the body of Christ, especially among believers, there's such a, there's an emptiness that I see in so many people struggling through failure, through sin, through trying to, to, to change. And you know, it's interesting what David prayed. He said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He didn't say restore to me my salvation. Listen, you don't lose your salvation just because you fall into sin. I gotta, I gotta uh, let's be clear about our, our doctrine and our theology. Here. How many know sometimes we'll argue with our spouse? Just because I argue with my wife doesn't mean that we're not married. Amen. Now we may not be in fellowship, come on somebody. Yes. Yes. I may be sleeping on a couch, but she's still my wife. I don't have to get married again. I gotta restore some fellowship. Thank God for a marriage conference, come on somebody. Well we just practicing what we preach this weekend, huh baby? But when there's fellowship, whoo, yes, Lord, there's joy. You saw what I did there? We still married. Now, see, some of you in relationship with God, but you don't have any joy. Come on, hear me. Some of you are saved, but you got no joy. I feel so strongly as your pastor to encourage you. It's time to get your joy back. It's time to get the pep back in your step. You say some people can't do that because of guilt and condemnation. Some of you are carrying such guilt and shame in your life. You're trying to please God, but you see how you're faltering and falling short. Can I tell you this? Guilt has to do with what we've done. Shame has to do with how we see ourselves. And the devil would love to put guilt and shame on God's people. And you're walking around, and you feeling unworthy, and you just, you know, you, you don't have any joy. Watch this. The scripture says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now watch. If the Bible equates joy to strength, what does the absence of joy create? Weakness. So many believers, they love God, but they've lost their joy. And so it creates this weakness that they can't even fight the enemy. Are you catching this today? Joy produces strength. And I believe that when we say, Lord, wash me, come on, somebody say, wash me. When we say, Lord, change me, come on, say, change me, we can expect our joy to come back. I believe, I'm declaring for somebody here today, that joy is coming back to you. That that heaviness that you've been holding on to, that cloud that's been over your head, man, it feels like that storm that's been coming down on you, I'm believing today that the sun is gonna shine in somebody's life. And your joy is coming back, and you don't have to carry guilt and shame and condemnation. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has washed you. He's made you whiter than snow. Guess what? When God sees you, he sees the blood of his son, Jesus, covering you. When I get to heaven and I've got to stand before God, and listen, we will all stand before God. And we're not going to be standing with our our homies and our partners and our buddies and our friends. It's going to be you and the Lord. Can I tell you this? At that moment, he will either be your judge or he will be your savior. If you've not repented of your sins, you've chosen that God will be your judge. But if you've said, Lord, wash me, yes, sir. guess what's covering you? The blood. And so now God is not your judge, he's your savior. Come on somebody. And when he says, why should I let you into heaven? I'm just gonna to point to Jesus, I'm gonna say, that guy right there. He did for me what I could never do for myself. You see, when you mess up, religion says, oh, Lord, my dad's going to kill me. But if you mess up and you're in relationship and you fail, you're going to say, wow, I got to talk to my dad. I can't wait to my, my dad. Listen, the Lord is more eager to forgive you than you are to even repent. If he would send Jesus to die on a cross and pay such a high price, listen, your sin debt is paid in full. He wants you to bring it to him. Come on, somebody say, wash me. Say, change me. Say, restore me. Come on, finally say, use me. Listen to this. i asked ask the band to come up. The Bible finishes this chapter. David says, then, then, then... I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Now this is an interesting way for David to finish this song. He starts out in such brokenness. I've messed up. I need you to cleanse me. And he realizes that he's going to stay in that pattern of brokenness unless the Lord changes him from the inside out. Once The power to change is possible only through the spirit. Joy comes back to David. Now now think about this. David messed up bad. I mean really bad. Probably worse than any of us would ever mess up. And we've messed up a lot. But David now says, Lord, now that I got my joy back, would you use me? use me to help somebody else you, you see even your mistakes your failures god can turn those things inside out now what's interesting what's interesting as scandalous as this was with bathsheba from adultery to murder i mean deception the cover up all of it interesting if you go to matthew's gospel and and Matthew lists the genealogy of Jesus. This is how Jesus came to us. There's a lot of a you know this person begat that this person begat that person, and this was the father and the son of, and all these weird names that are hard to pronounce. Do you know Matthew? He actually includes this episode in the G- genealogy of Jesus. He says this in Matthew 1:6. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. Oh, by the way, whose mama was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Now, Matthew, why you got to go into that kind of detail here? You know, that, the, 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 the scandal of Bathsheba, couldn't we just leave that alone? We're talking about the holy, pure, almighty son of God yet God says, through scandal, I'm going to bring the Savior. Can I tell you, if God can use David's failures to bring Jesus into the world, oh, come on now, you're missing this, if God can use our worst moments to give us heaven's best, I knew you'd be encouraged today. I knew you'd be encouraged What can God do with your failure and my failures if we give it to Him? Come on, do you believe that today? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.